I have an early memory uh, from when I was in preschool, probably, you know, four years old or so, of my father picking me up at preschool. And uh, for some strange reason, there was a, I was possessed uh, to do something strange. Um, there was a girl on the walkway as we were leaving the preschool, my father and I, and she was playing with a ball. And I said, let me see the ball. And uh, she gave it to me, and I just chucked it, knocked it, you know, so far away on purpose to upset her. And I remember my father, it was one of the earliest memories I have of my father getting really upset with me. Like, why did you do that, you know? And I have no idea why I did do that. Um, in, the, in the moment when I, when I did it, I remember feeling guilty that I had done it. Um, and yet, there it was. Um, and uh, I felt bad about it. Um, and I think my, my father made me say I'm sorry, but I truly was sorry. Um, and the girl was really upset. I remember her crying. And that was the, the first time that, or at least in my memory, that I felt something like badness or, 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 or you might say darkness inside of me where I really truly felt guilty about something that I had done. And it seems rather trivial, but it was so deliberate. And, and in front of my father, you know, it's just so weird that I would take this ball from this girl and, and knock it, you know, away from her playing field where she was. Someone uh, told me a story about, another story about a, a small child doing um, something kind of strange and evil. And this person tells the story um, as an example of how even in, in small children, there's something like badness or, or evil. And often people will say, well, the, the kids are good. You know? I mean, have you had kids? <laughs> um, <laughs> But he tells the story of uh, a mother watching her daughter out the kitchen window. She was, the daughter was playing in the backyard by herself and didn't know the mother was watching her. And there was a frog that uh, had come on the scene. And she was watching the girl with the frog. And all of a sudden, the girl just went and killed the frog. I mean, like a four or five-year-old child. Um, for no no good reason, other than just you know curiosity of what it's like to stomp on a frog and kill it, just like I had taken that ball, and you know what possessed the two of us at such a young age to do something really downright mean. Um, and you know the the, the verse uh, from scripture that people like to use to sort of uh, describe that feeling. Even me, when I was young and done this thing, and I immediately had felt guilt. Um, often uh, quote this verse from Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Um, And the psalmist said something similar in saying, darkness is my only companion. Um, uh, And that might sound kind of um, terrible and nihilistic, and yet sometimes uh, I know it to feel true, at least for myself, that that in moments, at least I feel that darkness is my only companion. Sometimes I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Just as I had at an early age, I still as an adult sometimes feel that way. And, and a lot of people, most people actually kind of reject these notions, at least um, in everyday conversation, will state things about how people are mostly or basically good. Um, and maybe you do. I, I, I've, I've said that before. Or, you know, you might have an experience or, or see something in, in life. Uh, someone will say, you know, that restored my faith in humanity. 
Um, I remember recently in the last week, I watched on uh, YouTube this video of this guy. I forget what city it was in, but he got his leg stuck in the little gap between a subway car and the platform. And all these thousands of people pushed the car so he can get his leg out. And if you le- read the comments, a lot of them are kind of like, you know, that just sort of restores your faith in humanity. And I mean, I, and I get that, but, um, but uh, you know, the, the, that, that notion actually sort of can fall apart. Um, you know, what do you do about the little girl in the frock or, or me and, and the ball? And, the, and those same two people who, who bounced the ball and, and squished the frog might be the same people who are pushing the subway car to, to get, help get the guy's leg out. I had a friend who um, was studying literature, and her master's thesis in literature was trying to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, which inherently begs in the question, the question of, are, is there such a thing as a good person? Um, and, and my response to her when she said it to me was, well, the sun rises on evil and good, and the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust too. And, and she didn't like that response. And I said, that was in the Bible. <laughs> I don't think she knew that. but um, <laughs> um, So I submit that these kind of optimistic notions um, about people, uh, that people are basically good, or that one's faith can be restored in humanity and in some small event like that uh, subway car, I just submit that these optimistic notions don't ring true with everyday life, actually. Um, you know, I often use this, and, and forgive me if I've done it here before. Maybe I have. I, I, I say it so often that I don't know where I've used it. But just imagine, remember we used to have that screen up there? Imagine if on that screen we just put your, a, a teleprompter of your thoughts of the last 24 hours. Um, and that, maybe that's all I need to do to tell you, to show you, or prove to you, to you that um, these notions about um, inherent goodness in people uh, are a little bit uh, too optimistic for me. A friend of mine recently, uh, in the last year wrote an article about Philip Seymour Hoffman. You remember he died of a drug overdose, the actor. If you don't know, he, dro- he died of a her- prematurely in his 40s of a heroin overdose. And I taught a class last week and, and quoted this, but some of you weren't uh, here, so I can quote it again. But I really liked uh, what she had to say about her reflections on uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And all you need to know, if you don't know him, is he's famous and he, he, dried, he, he died of a drug overdose. And she writes, the temptation to be furious toward Hoffman ultimately serves as a way to distance ourselves from him, to make a self-assured, solemn vow that we ourselves would never do what he did, except that when we are really honest, we all land squarely in the Hoffman camp of helplessness, and tenuousness on at least some of our days. Hopefully, it's not heroin that drives us into the darkness. But the same unaddressed pain and heartache can work itself out as our, as our self-destruction. And, you know, just think about what the psalmist said about darkness being my only companion. Uh, companion. And, and here she's saying, you know, it's probably not heroin for you that drives you into the dark but it might be something else. Um, and it's too optimistic to be furious with him because we're all kind of a step or a half step away from being a lot like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, I tell all these stories because that 
I think they actually relate to the story of creation, at least the part of it that we read today here in church uh, from Genesis chapter 1. The very first words of the Bible read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And now this has to do with, um, with uh, physical creation. Um, and, and then the first thing that happens here is the, the uh, creation of light and separating it from the darkness. Um, and then in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, um, that idea about creation is further explained to us through the lens of Jesus Christ and what that has to do for people. And here's what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. And so themes of lightness and darkness, and I'm trying to relate it to all that I said in the beginning about the darkness, at least metaphorically, that can often be in our own hearts. A friend of mine named Aaron Zimmerman gave a talk about four years ago now that just was so earth-shatteringly, sorry, words are not coming out of my mouth clearly tonight, This talk was so clear about an explanation of uh, humanity, and he basically boiled it down to these three points. He said, people are blind. All people are blind, metaphorically speaking. All people are bad. And his third point was, Christians are people. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning that pertains to everyone. It's not a separation of good and evil, meaning Christians and non-Christians, but everyone's blind to their own badness including Christians, is basically his point. And this notion is actually controversial to most people. I mean, everything I'm talking about, I wouldn't be surprised if you burn me on a stake afterwards, you know? I mean, because this so goes against sort of most of the platitudes that you hear out there in the world. Um, So I understand if this uh, might be uncomfortable because uh, most people aren't talking about these things. And, And for that reason, what Aaron said in that talk is actually controversial to to many people, including Christians, particularly Christians. Um, to say that Christians are blind and bad too is kind of a, a countercultural thing to do. And yet that's, um, you know, go read the Bible. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, it's all over our book. Um, you know, and so what, but what ways does that actually ring true for you in your life? You know, I mean, forget all that I'm saying, all the stories that I've told or, or the stories that are in the Bible. In what ways does something like people are blind, people are bad, and Christians are people ring true for you in your life? Just think of, um, you know, the ball story with me and the ball. You know, when have you felt or that way like I did in that moment or have done something like it? Or the frog with the little girl, you know, 
when have you done something like that? Um, or think about Paul who says, um, you know, I don't understand my own actions. I don't do the thing I want to. I do the thing that I hate. Or, or just think of Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know. Uh, like my friend Sarah says, we're all kind of like him, actually. Well, speaking of frogs, just to tell you another story in my adult life that actually does relate to frogs, um, this is when I was 23 years old. I was at a, a lake when I was living in, in Europe, and I had a German friend who I knew was deathly afraid of frogs for some reason. It was such, he was so afraid of them that I actually knew that strange fact that he was afraid of frogs. And, and we were swimming at a lake one day, and I saw a frog in the water. And I picked it up, and I said, Hey, Michael. And I threw it at him. <laughs> and he was so upset. And my friends who were with me were upset with me because they knew this trivial fact also. They were like, what are you doing? Are you kidding? You know, imagine the thing that you are most, a creature that you're most afraid of. And you had told me about that. And I saw one, like there's a spider. And I said, hey. <laughs> and I knew again, it was like that ball moment. 24, uh, 20 years later. In my life, I'm doing the same thing still, you know, as an adult, as a mature human being, chucking frogs at my friend who's deathly afraid of them. You know, so what is it for you? Um, I've been uh, obsessed with these guys called the, the Avett Brothers. Do you know them? Uh, if you don't know them, you should. The Avett Brothers are kind of, um, they're like, uh, think of bluegrass and punk rock and put it together. And, and that's the, the music that they produce. So good. So good. And often in their lyrics, there's a sort of theme of light and dark, lightness and darkness. Um, uh, there's, a, there's one song called And It's Spread that really uh, gets to this. But I want to talk to you about another song on the same album called Head Full of Doubt, Road Full of Promises. And this one line, they say, there's a darkness upon me that's flooded in light, and I'm frightened by those that don't see it. And all week, as I've been preparing to talk to you in this moment, I've been listening to that song over and over again to prepare for this sermon. There's a darkness upon me that's flooded in light, and I'm frightened by those that don't see it. Well, that's all that I've said, basically, uh, summed up in one poetic verse, that hope actually does break through the cynicism. Um, there is indeed joy beyond the sorrow. You know, I mean, um, I got to talk to you about all the darkness to get to the light. Um, so I'm not going to end with chucking frogs at my friend. But what, Avid, what the Avit brothers say about the darkness upon me that's flooded in light, and, and what is the light, you know? Um, when we feel that we ourselves are without uh, form and void, and darkness is upon us, the light of Christ shines his light into our darkness, um, into our badness, upon our darkness and badness and, and our blindness. And, and that gives us sort of spiritual sight, you know, to see with, uh, uh, with clear eyes um, what the world is really like. But, but more importantly, um, that the light of Christ actually covers our darkness. And that is the gospel. That's the good news. That God no longer sees the void that's in ourselves, but the light. And he sees us as good. Just as he announced in creation, 
um, that he saw the light and it was good. Well, that same light is on us, covering the darkness. As Isaiah said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And he's talking about Jesus. And so we enter today, and this is the final thing I say. Um, well, we entered actually on the 6th, but today is the first Sunday of the season of Epiphany, um, which, you know, as it stands, isn't one of the most memorable seasons of the calendar year. You know, it's kind of trumped by Christmas, Lent, and, and Easter. But Epiphany is this uh, short season between Christmas and Lent. And, and among other things, it's a season that celebrates the light of Christ overcoming the darkness. Um, and it's no mere intellectual epiphany light bulb, but the epiphany is Jesus Christ. Um, and so we may, may now thank God that the darkness upon us is flooded in light and the light of Christ. Amen. Amen.